Hi, it's Rob West. You know, MoneyWise Media is a biblically-based financial nonprofit organization that, with the Lord's help and guidance, exists to educate, equip, and connect people to meet the growing demands of today's culture. Now, we do this through our national radio programs and podcasts, our money management app, feature-rich website, and other resources. But it costs a lot of money to do all of this. So before we get to the podcast, I wanted to ask you to consider a monthly financial gift to MoneyWise. Please visit MoneyWise.org and click Donate. And thanks in advance for your generous partnership. It's great to hope for the best, but it's even better to prepare for the worst. Hi, I'm Rob West. Are you prepared for a worst-case scenario with the assets you've worked hard to build up, or could you lose them with a single mishap? Today, I'll tell you an inexpensive way to protect yourself, and it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. You know, Proverbs 27, 12 talks about this. It reads, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. We always tell you that having insurance in general is prudent. But today I want to talk about the prudence of having a particular type of insurance that many homeowners fail to take advantage of. It's coverage that protects your assets from catastrophic lawsuits, and it's most commonly referred to as an umbrella policy. As the name implies, an umbrella policy gives you extra liability coverage for you and your family beyond what you have with your homeowners and auto insurance policies. Does everyone need it? Maybe not, but more people than you might expect. If you've been working hard to build up assets in your retirement fund and the equity in your home, it's entirely possible that you need an umbrella policy, especially when you consider that a civil judgment against you could even include future earnings. Now, you might think you're adequately covered by homeowners and auto insurance and that your home is protected from lawsuits by state law. That's usually the case, but not always. For example, New Jersey and Pennsylvania have no homestead protection. You might also think that your employer-sponsored retirement plan, like a 401k, has immunity from lawsuits and creditors. And that's true under the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, or ERISA. But non-ERISA plans, like traditional or Roth IRAs, don't have the same level of protection. So that's another reason to consider an umbrella policy. How exactly does an umbrella policy work? Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, You're driving down the road and your smartphone chimes with a text message. You know you're not supposed to text while driving, but you're curious about what the text says. With a momentary lapse of judgment, you look down to see and you don't notice that traffic is stopped at a red light ahead. As a result, you rear in the car in front of you. That causes a chain reaction with two or three cars running into those ahead of them. The next thing you know, several drivers are complaining of whiplash. But you're not worried because you have $500,000 coverage with your auto insurance policy. The problem is, between costly repair bills and medical costs, your liability quickly goes beyond that 500000 And worse, now one of the drivers ahead of you decides to sue you for emotional trauma caused by the accident. You're on the hook for everything that exceeds the limit in your auto insurance policy, which could be sizable. 
Given how common lawsuits are in this country, it would not be prudent to think this can't happen to you. But with an umbrella policy, coverage kicks in and pays off everything above your auto insurance limit, not just for repairs and medical costs, but also any judgments, plus attorney and court fees, usually up to a million dollars. For example, in the area of bodily injury, most umbrella policies would protect you in the case of the auto accident I described, but also if your dog harms someone or a guest falls in your home or a neighborhood kid is injured while playing in your yard. And of course, an umbrella policy would cover the cost of damage caused to other people's property in the event of an accident where you're at fault. This type of coverage could also be a lifesaver if you own rental property. It would protect you from liability claims if someone is injured on your property, or even if your tenant's dog bites someone and you're held responsible for it. And yes, that could happen in today's litigious society. Another thing that an umbrella policy might cover could be quite unexpected, a judgment for slander or libel, which are injurious spoken or written statements. A note of caution here, uh, be careful what you say about someone on social media. Now, you probably think that any policy that protects you from all these potential disasters would have to be expensive, but actually, umbrella policies are quite reasonable. For up to a million dollars in coverage, you're probably going to pay 150 to 300 dollars a year. You might even find it cheaper if you have an independent insurance agent shop around for you. So those are some pretty good reasons for planning ahead and getting an umbrella policy. Remember, it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. All right, your calls are next. The number, 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and this is Money Wise. We'll be right back. At Money Wise, we are on a mission to educate, equip, and connect you and many others with the powerful financial answers found in God's Word through national radio programs, our app, website, and other resources. If you've benefited from MoneyWise and believe in this mission, would you consider becoming a monthly MoneyWise patron? Check out all the benefits of a MoneyWise patron's membership at moneywise.org and click Give on the homepage. If you have money in a retirement account or just a general investing account, you know the stock market can sometimes be like a roller coaster. But it is possible to enjoy both profit and peace of mind in investing, no matter what's happening in the market. You can see a short video webinar on that topic at soundmindinvesting.org. Since 1990, Sound Mind Investing has sought to offer financial wisdom for living well. soundmindinvesting.org. MoneyWise is all about biblical wisdom for your financial journey. I'm so glad you can spend time with us today, and I'd love to tackle your financial questions. Here's the number, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. All right, let's head to the phones. Chicago's where we're going to begin today. Pamela, you're our first caller. Go right ahead. Hi there. I just have a question. I just started a new job um, that um, gave me an increase in salary. And um, I was wondering if I should pay off my mortgage or if I should um, enroll in the, the retirement. I have like 600000 in a, in an IRA already. 
Yeah, very good. So just give me an, a quick rundown in addition to what you've already shared. So are you married, Pamela? No, single. Okay. And you said you have 600000 in an IRA. What is your age, if you don't mind yeah. me asking? Um, 57. Okay. And this is a new job for you. Uh, what do you have left mm-hmm. on your mortgage? Um, it's about 78000 Okay, great. And what's the interest rate? Uh, it's pretty low. Um, it was like, I think three something, two something, okay. something like that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Two to 3%. Uh, excellent. And how many years do you have left on it? I just refinanced last year. Okay. Was it a 30 year um, mortgage or something shorter? I think 15 maybe. Is that possible? 15? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 15 year mortgage would be, uh, makes sense. And, um, do you, Think about retiring around 65. Do you kind of just want to work as long as you can? I mean, give me a sense of what your thoughts are in that area. Yeah, I kind of want to work as long as I can. I mean, you know, health-wise, I'm fine. I don't have anything that would, I think, make me retire early. Sure. Okay. And then uh, last question would be, you know, have you thought about what your retirement budget were to look like? So if you stopped working uh, and you were to work until you're eligible for, let's say, full Social Security, so full retirement age, uh, if you compared that to your monthly expenses, let's say by the time you retire, that mortgage is gone. So that comes out. Um, would you be living off just the income you could generate on your IRA and whatever that grows to, uh, plus any additional retirement contributions, let's say to your new 401k, plus Social Security, or are you counting on other income sources? Um, no other income sources. Okay. So I think that's kind of the next step is to do some planning just to determine what would your budget look like in retirement. A lot of times it's maybe 80% of our pre-retirement income that we need to live on. Uh, So just looking at what ultimately is the goal for you to have whenever you stop and the Lord redirects you, perhaps away from paid work to whatever, you know, his next calling is on your life. Uh, Let's say that were to grow to a million dollars between now and that point. Um, you know, we would be looking at a 4% withdrawal rate as a starting point. That's a lot of times what we will use to say, what can we maintain and make up each year so that the account really over the long haul never dips down below that initial starting balance? Well, that would be 40000 a year that you can add uh, to your Social Security. It may not be a million. I mean, let's say it's uh, 750000 Well, then it's 30000 a year. But that at least gives you a ballpark to say, what ultimately is my goal to save? And I think the idea is we want to try to sync the payoff of that mortgage with your retirement date and maximize the growth of the investment so that as we pay off the mortgage, the expenses come down to as low as they possibly can. And it, and then we've also maximized the investment opportunity to grow your retirement accounts between now and then so that you've got the full amount possible to generate income for you as a supplement to Social Security and the house is gone. So I would say given where the market is right now, unless you just have a conviction from the Lord I want to be out of debt as soon as possible. If you're comfortable carrying this debt at a low interest rate, I would say, let's figure out what it looks like for you to pay off that mortgage um, at retirement. So I would ask your mortgage company to give you an amortization schedule to say, what would I need to send you every month so that I don't pay this off in 14 years, but I pay it off in 10? 
um, that would let you know how much extra you have to send. And then anything in addition to that that you have a surplus, I would say let's plow that into retirement right now so that we take advantage of this low market that's pulled back, you know, 20% from its highs and you're buying more shares, you know, with the the dollars you're investing. So as the market recovers, you're going to get good lift on that as well. And we kind of balance these two ideas of maximizing the growth of your retirement savings while at the same time setting this goal to be completely out of debt, including your house by the time you retire. Does all that make sense, though? Yeah, it really does. I never even thought to ask the mortgage company for that amortization schedule. Yeah. And I think the key would be decide when do I want it paid off? But again, if you're comfortable with kind of a reasonable payoff that aligns with when you think you might want to retire, well, then let's send that amount extra per year to ensure that happens, which also gives us the ability to take some money and continue to put it away for the future, if if all of that makes sense. So I think that might be a great uh, kind of middle ground for you that uh, will keep these two ideas moving in the same direction. But any other thoughts or questions? questions on that? Nope. This is very helpful. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you, Pamela. We appreciate your calling today. Colleen, thank you for your patience. Evanston, Illinois, go right ahead. Uh, I am retired, although I do have a small part-time job, and I really need my uh, retirement account to make ends meet. Um, I'm single, no children, worked all my life, but never made a great deal of money. And I thought, ooh, I think I can make ends meet here until the stock market hit and I've lost over 15% of my small retirement account. And I have checked and it's considered conservative and well diversified. I just don't know. Is there something else I can do? I'm just afraid I'm going to lose it all. Yeah. Well, I can certainly understand your concern, Colleen. Let me just ask a couple of questions. Uh, roughly, how much did you have before the decline? I had 350000 Okay. And how much are you pulling out uh, each month or each year? Well, since I'm so recently retired and um, I haven't started pulling anything out yet, but I will have to do so before the end of the year. Okay. And so when you look at your new retirement budget, assuming you've put one together, and if you haven't, I think that's step number one following this call is to figure out what will my kind of new retirement budget look like. Oftentimes, the average American can live on 80% of their pre-retirement income because the kids are off the payroll, they're dropping their life insurance, they, uh, you know, aren't driving as much to work or work clothes. Uh, You know, they're no longer contributing toward retirement. Uh, Maybe they're debt-free at this point, ideally, that would be the goal, including the house. So given all of that, have you looked at your retirement budget? And then when you compare it to the income sources you have, not including an income stream for them, for them from the 350000 what do you think your gap will be on a monthly basis? I think it will be close. I actually give a great deal to charity. Good. I love that. <laughs> and and I feel like it belongs to the Lord, and, and I've made some commitments that yeah. I want to trust Him to uh, allow me to fulfill. I think that's and, great. And uh, I'm thinking I'm coming up short close to $1,000 a month. 
Okay, well, that's good news because I was coming up at around 1166 in terms of what I'd like for you to take out. Uh, and I'll tell you how I got to that. And then I'll weigh in on this idea that what do you do about the, the market pullback? We're going to take a quick break. You stay right there and we'll finish up just on the other side. This is Money Wise. Stick around. Much more to come. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal, but you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money, Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find daily questions to reflect on and practical exercises paired with scripture for spiritual and financial growth. Right now, you can request your copy of the Money, Seeking God's Wisdom 31-day devotional with a gift of any amount at moneywise.org. Investing is more than just returns. It's an expression of who you are and what you value. Does the way you invest your money reflect your identity as a Christian? At Eventide, we design investments for performance and a better world, so you can invest with a confidence to reach your financial goals while remaining true to your Christian values and commitments. We call this investing that makes the world rejoice. More is available at investeventide.com. That's investeventide.com. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West, your host, and we're taking your calls and questions. A few lines open today. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Just before the break, we were talking to Colleen in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, Colleen is retired, no longer contributing to retirement uh, since the beginning of the year. Uh, she's down 15% on her portfolio, which was about 350000 now around 335000 She's going to start pulling out a monthly income stream later this year, perhaps close to the end of the year from this account. She's wondering, what do I do? This is really a key part of my retirement plan. And Colleen, I certainly understand that concern. A lot of folks in your same situation, you know, hitting the retirement season uh, right at the time where we're entering or, or completing a long bull market cycle, moving into a bear market, now down 20% from recent highs with the prospect of recession and more downside is concerning uh, because of the time of all of this. Um, and yet you said you went and looked at it. You feel like you're very well diversified. You have a conservative portfolio and the percentage you're down affirms that. I mean, the found that your fact that you're down 15%, uh, you know, with the broad market down a good bit more than that. And a lot of professional hedge fund managers really quote unquote, smart money that's down a good bit more than you tells me that you are conservatively positioned. And I love the fact that you haven't started pulling this out. Uh, um, you know, typically what we would say is when we, even when we hit retirement, we would want an allocation to stocks somewhere usually around 30% or so, uh, even if they're high quality dividend paying stocks, just to give some sort of growth component to the portfolio that could help to supplement the income portion of the portfolio, which would be bonds and, you know, uh, other types of fixed income investments um, that right now are getting hit as well, which is why you are down 15% because as interest rates go up, bond prices are less attractive because people want those higher rates. And so bond prices fall. 
That will stabilize and recover once interest rates start back down. Unfortunately, it's going to be a little while. The Fed Chairman Powell just recently said, listen, until we see compelling evidence of inflation coming down, rates are going to be elevated and they're going higher from here. So what do you do? I think the key is you stay the course. See, the idea is that once you reach retirement, you still have a decades-long need for this money. And even if that portion that's in stocks and even the bond portion is down, we understand that you're going to stay invested. You're pulling out a modest amount. I would use the, the withdrawal rate of 4% a year, which is around 14000 or $1,166, which the good news is that's just a little bit more than you were planning to take out, which is great. Um, and we recognize that when we hit years like this, the portfolio is going to be down. But you know that if you stay invested, uh, at least historically speaking, this is going to recover. It's going to move to higher ground. And the fact that you're not taking out more than 4% a year should say that if it's properly invested and managed, you'll be just fine. And this money can last you know, for as long as you need it to until the Lord returns or he calls you home. So I would say as hard as it is, you probably are in the right place. Stay the course. Even when you begin withdrawing the $1,000 a month uh, a little later this year, you know, if the market you know, hasn't started back up. But remember, it will before we get to the end of the recession because it's a it's a leading indicator. It looks out toward economic conditions. It doesn't react to it on the back end. Um, I think you're going to be just fine and, and you're in a pretty good spot here. But give me your thoughts. Well, just a clarification. Uh, I didn't lose fifteen thousand. I lost fifteen percent, which okay. dropped me from three fifty below three hundred thousand. Got it. Yeah, so I'm and that makes sense. Ninety five now. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and I would, uh, you know, and I realize that can be a little shocking, um, but it's perfectly uh, expected. Yeah, you're probably around 297,000 or so. Um, and again, we look at this like this is a $350,000 portfolio. It just happens to be in a period where we've gone from a 12-year raging bull market to, uh, or, or more, uh, to a bear market in a fairly short period of time, over six months or so, because of the high inflation, the prospect of recession, which is very high. You know, the Fed is reacting. We will work through this and it'll move back to higher ground. And I think that's what you need to stay focused on. Well, thank you for your wisdom. All right, Colleen, all the best to you. And I'm excited for you in this next season of life as the Lord gives you a vision for what he has next for you. And uh, if we can help along the way, don't hesitate to reach out. Hey, we have a couple of lines open. So if you'd like to get in on the conversation, we'd love to hear from you today. The number 800-525-7000. Let's go to Collinsville, Illinois. John, thank you for your call. Go right ahead, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, I am so tired of paying taxes. I wanted to know, and I'm getting ready to retire and take my retirement, how much money in retirement can I make and not have to file? Uh, yeah, well, the minimum for a single filing status uh, uh, under the age of 65 is 12500 Um But what would your age be at this point? It'll be 65. Okay, 65 or older, it would be $14,250. So uh, if you get over that as a single filer, uh, you would then have to look at uh, paying some taxes. So uh, that would be kind of the magic number you'd need to look at. 
Okay. Also, uh, now my wife and I normally file joint, and she's not retiring right now. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I'll so that would be twenty five. Yeah, twenty five thousand one hundred. Um, if you uh, are married, filing jointly. Uh, so that would be what you'd want to look at there. Um, I would check with your tax preparer. You know, I, I certainly understand that you want to try to pay as little tax as possible, and I, I get that. And so um, you know, certainly could look at other options for how you could reduce that. Bottom line is, you know, when we pay taxes, it's symptomatic of God's provision, so we don't want to pay any more than we have to by any means. But at the end of the day, if we pay some, uh, I think it was just a recognition that God has provided uh, some income for you, but uh, you could certainly check with a tax preparer on ways to minimize that. One of those being charitable deductions, if you uh, can itemize. We appreciate your call, John. And that's going to do it for us today. And as we wrap up, let me just say thanks for being with us today. Thank you for your calls. Thank you for listening. And thanks for being a faithful supporter of this ministry. You know, beyond the broadcast, we have an entire team of contributors and coaches and web designers and media producers working each day to develop tools and content to help you become a better biblical money manager. And none of that work would be possible without your financial support. We offer a lot of it for free, and that's only because of the generous gifts from listeners like you. If you're not yet one of our financial partners but would like to be, would you visit our website at moneywise.org and click the donate button to sign up? We'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, please set an alarm on your phone and make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here and I hope you will be too for the next installment of MoneyWise. MoneyWise is provided by MoneyWise Media and listeners like you.